Want a smoother contour and more youthful-looking cheeks? Rediscover a younger-looking you by adding volume to the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC, part of the number one selling collection of dermal fillers, based on January 2022 provider survey data. With help from Juvederm Voluma XC and a licensed specialist, you can achieve a more youthful cheek look completely customized for your goals. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli. On the Everyday Warrior Podcast, we seek out in-depth conversations from a multitude of industries or professions to discuss their failures, darkest moments, and of course, their time-tested principles or positive habits that have led them to success so that you and I may learn from them and accelerate our own journeys to attain success as well. My guest today is one of the most recognizable figures in sports history. He's an NFL legend, but he's done so much more in his life beyond his sporting career. Terry Bradshaw has won four Super Bowl titles, was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame in 1989, and has become one of the most popular and successful broadcasters of all time. He's also a successful musician, actor, and philanthropist. But for all his successes, life hasn't always been straightforward for Terry, and we discuss how he has used all of his experiences to strive to live a fulfilling and purposeful life. Here's my interview with Terry Bradshaw. I hope you enjoy. Terry, thanks for joining us today. Oh, Mike, thanks for having me on, man. It's, this is going to be uh, a good time. I know for me, hopefully for you. Well, well hopefully it's uh, mutually beneficial. Uh, well, so, Terry, I, I watched Going Deep with my wife two nights ago. First off, I want to say congrats to you for having the the moral courage and strength to show such vulnerability, which in my opinion, having served with some of the most lethal warriors in the world is probably one of the strongest character character attributes uh, that there is. It takes, it, it takes a true man to show vulnerability uh, and open yourself up despite, you know, keyboard warriors in this day and age will throw insults at you once you do that. Mike, your life, um, while you live it, and if you have any type of of success at your pursuits, there does come a a responsibility, I think, if there's life's learning lessons in that, whether it be football, television, whatever. I've always felt as though the best thing I can do is be honest. So many people um, don't want you to see what's inside for what I don't know what the reasons could be other than they don't want you to see their hurt or their pain. But what we need to realize is so many people do have pain and so many people are hurting and so many people say, in my case, are curious. I don't mind them seeing me being goofy and nutty and uh, I don't mind them seeing me seeing me break down emotionally. I don't mind them seeing me talk about depression because 
with all of the wonderful things that life has, we all experience the downs too. So it's the life is up and down and up and down. And the balance is not to go too high, not to go too low, and try to structure a life so that it's somewhat uh, control chaos. And so I've always enjoyed being honest. I I find it as good for me, Mike, as possibly it is for you. Terry, I want, I want to hone in on that for a second, uh, but actually come back first before we do. So you said something in the the, the documentary going deep um, that you wish you had been a little more authentic very early on right. within your NFL career. And you, you talked about Joe Namath and, and how you loved just how dynamic he was and how he said he just basically said what he felt. Do you think that was a little bit of a, a, of a result of your upbringing? Because if my research is correct, your, your father was a former Navy, so ex-military. Uh, and he also was a, a strong, you know, your family had a strong Baptist uh, faith. Was right. that a disciplined and strict upbringing? Yeah, I, I would say so. I would I would answer that by saying absolutely. Um, the way I was raised was respect uh, for your parents. Uh, authority. You're punished for uh, not being obedient, um, uh, for lying, for breaking rules, so on and so forth. Uh, so I got the punishment phase too. A lot of it also also was from we grow we grew up, Mike. Uh, I grew up in a non-celebrity world. I grew up in a very middle class family. No one was a celebrity. No one was glamorous. I was the first and only one, and I had to experience it, and I didn't I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what you were supposed to do. I didn't know how to be a celebrity. I didn't know how to be or act successful. And as I as I, as I marched through my early years in life in Pittsburgh and so on, deep down inside was always this part of me that wanted to be brutally honest. I don't know why, Mike. I wanted to be brutally honest. And I found out, I think early in life, if you're brutally honest, that only serves you well because you're, you're going to make a lot of people really upset. And uh, that happened. And so, I, so when I, when I realized that this is, this is not something I could handle. In other words, I could say it, I could be honest, but the repercussions were too much for me. And I wasn't mature enough to handle it. That's why the reference to Joe Namath and the white shoes and the fur coat and the being outrageous and the being this. You know, I there was a part of me, Mike, that, that's like that. I, I wanted to be like that. Instead, I was reserved and held back based primarily on the way I was raised. And then a the couple of times I did kind of step out of the, the control box. I got hammered pretty good and I didn't know how to handle it. And so I went back into, um, you know, safety mode. So, so what was the moment, the, 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 the changing moment in your life where you said, screw it, I'm going to be Terry Bradshaw, I'm going to be the authentic Terry Bradshaw, screw whoever well, doesn't like it, this is who well, I am. When I retired from football, I told my father, I said, golly, this is a great day. He says, are you going to miss it? And I said, no, not at all. But I said, dad, it's going to be a great day because now I don't have to pretend, I don't have to... Uh, uh, be politically correct and so on and so forth. Now you do have to at a certain on certain yeah. things, but I, I I knew I could now be honest. And that's why when I got into television and started saying things, then people started getting upset because I was saying things they did they didn't appreciate about a certain player or a team, and that's where 
<laughs> and that's where it didn't really necessarily bothered me because people listen, Mike, people know and respect you when you and appreciate you when you're honest with them on a for an opinion. And if you have an opinion, you can't hide it. You you give it It's a reflection of who you are and how you think and how you feel. And you can get in, you know, basically you can get into uh, get into a lot of trouble if you want to use that word trouble. But I just felt like when I got out of football, I could I could start being more honest and I had matured a great deal. So I therefore could I could handle the heat and I didn't mind it. Even today at 73 doing television or whatever, uh, when I say something that is that is out of line i'm quoted all over the country and that's because it's not something i do often but when i do people know that it's exactly the way i feel that that is awesome you notice in conversations somebody will say something like hey can i be honest with you yeah and the response is no lie to my face or is everything you said prior to this been a complete lie Exactly. Uh, I, I don't always hate, respect that. Mike, but he was like, "Hey, look, let me be perfectly honest." Well, wait a minute. Have you, have you been like, why do people say that? I, I, I really. Why do they say, "Hey, let me"? Can, can I be perfectly honest? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like the uh, the scene in Ricky Bo Bobby where he's talking no. to the owner of the car. He says, "Hey, yep. with all due respect," and he criticizes yep. him. He's like, "You can't say that to me." He's like, "I said with all due respect." Uh, no, that, that's a funny line in one of my favorite movies, by the way. I never quite understood that. You know, one of the things that happens to people, they will misrepresent themselves so that they look good. And once they do that, if they misrepresent themselves to protect themselves, then they got to tell a lie to, on the misrepresentation. And then another lie, instead of just being, you know, perfectly honest with you, Mike, let me, just, let me be honest. Instead of just being who they are, they try to be something they're not, and they get caught in a trap. If you'll let people know right up front who you are, what you're all about, you may separate 50% of the people from your life, but that's okay. I always appreciated the guys I served with in the SEAL teams that were, and they would often get the uh, the the label of socially awkward or yeah. just being an asshole. Let's be honest. Right. It was right. the dudes that always just gave you the 100% candid unadulterated uh truth and, yes. and sometimes their delivery was just very direct and, and uh, not tactful but you come to appreciate it and you almost go to them like hey mike what's your thoughts and he would just let you have it right well you know mike it's hard to look at someone when they ask you for an opinion about something or perhaps about them and you say look man i think you're a jerk <laughs> I never have liked you. You were a horrible player. You're not nice to your wife or your kids. Uh, you drink too much. You've been drunk. You know, you've gotten away with, you know, with uh, all these uh, issues in, in society because you're famous. I don't have a whole lot to do with you. <laughs> there are times, I'm sure, where we've all just wanted to say, what a jerk. But we don't. So I do appreciate the SEAL, the SEAL members, the, the great warriors of our day, being able to just say, hey, man, I don't dig you, and you know what? I'm fine with it. You deal with it. I'm going to get into one other subject that, that I want to ask you about. But um, so your wife, Tammy, 
Does, right. uh, when you ask her for opinions, does she give you the, the truth, <laughs> even the stuff you don't want to hear? Let me just say I married the greatest woman in the world, and she would never hurt my feelings. She would never say, like, look, I, I use this and when I give speeches. I'm retaining a little fluid. <laughs> in, other words, in other words, I am not in seal shape. And she's always there to say, babe, look, you look great. You look great. I Look, that's who she is. She would never and never has said an unkind word to me ever 22 years together. Not one time. I honestly think she looks at me uh, as if I've never done any wrong and I've never looked bad. I seriously, I don't ever think she's ever misled me. <laughs> hey, that- Terry, you, you deserve that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you found your uh, your soulmate. So am I. The, uh, again, the documentary you said uh, by far your uh, your best friend and even even your daughters just praised Tammy for. Well, actually, I think the quote was, "If Tammy wasn't around, Terry's life would fall apart." <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it. Um, I believe every man is grounded by. We're not meant to go through this life alone. God wants us to have a partner. Um, in my case, a female partner, and um, I need. I needed someone that I could love and who I could trust to love me back and I could depend on. Uh, and I don't have to worry about her leaving me. Uh, if I don't have any money, she'll love me just as much. So from that standpoint, yeah, I've, I hit the jackpot at the end of the rainbow. I, hey, you know, my wife is, is my foundation. You know, funny enough, right before we, uh, we got married, uh, she's a little bit younger than I am. Uh, my mother kept asking her, are you sure you want to do this to her? And uh, she didn't tell me until after we got married. And I, I'm like, Ma, Ma, what? why would you say that? Uh, she knew what she was uh, about to get into, and maybe my wife didn't. But uh, she she recognizes it now. No, a, a good woman is uh, is everything in the world. Um, yeah. you, you, know, you know what's so great about it? And I've told my girls this, look, because I've been divorced three times, and I'm, I'm – if you would ask me my greatest regrets, there it is. I have beautiful daughters that I love dearly. I don't regret that. I wish I had got my personal life together. I wish Tammy and I would have hooked up, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, God had different plans. Uh, I can accept it now. Uh, and I'm thankful that I finally found it. I honestly never thought I would ever find it. But I did tell my girl says when they would ask me, about their mates or their guys are dating. I said, I'm going to tell you girls, check the boxes and you got to have, you got to be sharing so much together. The yes is have to outweigh the no's as far as I'm concerned, you know, pretty much 95%. You must go throw 5% out there that I'm just, no, I'm not going to be good at, but she's my, you know, we, with horse business together, burger business together, bourbon business together. She travels with my speeches. She critiques my speeches. I bounce things off of her. We fish together. We compete together. We throw horseshoes. Uh, we travel together. We play golf together. And there's no one I'd rather play golf with than my wife. Now, there's a, you know, there's, that's just amazing. So, you know, I hit, like I said, I hit the mother load. So, as much as you can, your likenesses have to be there and your foundation, the foundation of who you are. You cannot jeopardize that. You cannot jeopardize that. And I feel like that there's some of the things that I did and they were wrong. So I share that with the girls and two of my three are married. Great guys. Hey, 
Mike, I got the greatest um, son-in-laws. Rachel's dating a really nice guy, my oldest. So we'll see how that goes, but I like him. And uh, so, so far, two out of three, not bad. So Terry, Terry on the show, from from what I watched, you're, you're a little hard on them. They're significant you're others. You're talking about the guys? Talking yes. about the guys? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I tried to run them off, Mike. Absolutely. If they can handle my heat, they can handle anything. That's why I always tell them, you don't have a foot in the circle yet, boy. You know? <laughs> well, you know, if you have children and mine are in their 30s, you <laughs> – you have, uh, they think you don't know them, but you do. And you know their tendencies. And uh, I can look at these guys and I can tell who's 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 going to last a while. Uh, I don't know about last for the long haul yet, but I can tell if these guys are good or if I'm not going to like these guys. I don't share that with them. Uh, I keep it to myself. But when they do ask me, I am brutally honest. I do tell them, you know exactly how i feel about them only after they break up with them <laughs> now, now, now that they're married i love both of my son-in-laws but rachel's always saying dad well what'd you think about um billy ray and i said well <laughs> i don't like him at all he drank too much he was disrespectful he was sloppy so and so forth i can't believe he even dated the guy well why didn't you tell me well when it comes to matters of the heart you know that's not my business only when it's over Ain't ain't that the truth when it comes yeah. to matters of the heart? I'm not one to give uh, any advice uh, True. whatsoever. So 14-year career in, in the NFL, four Super Bowl titles, two Super Bowl MVPs. What of all those achievements in the NFL, that portion of your life, right? what meant the most to you? Was it the championships? Was it the team environment? Uh, everything that I have today is because of championships. Now, the players coming out today may not have championships, but they got 16,000, 70,000 yards and, you know, Mike, 600 touchdown passes. So it's a little different. But I'm most proud of the championships. Those are your, as uh, we were talking, what is the movie where he says, uh, it's my defining moment? Well, that was uh, 10 Cup, wasn't it? This is my defining moment yeah. to court. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's my defining moment in in life is is winning the championships now what how how did i get there then goes back to the other part of your question now we're talking about the players and the character of the players um and the team concept and nobody knows that more than you do being a seal team we get you know everything is built on team team first team 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 everybody pitching in together everybody has everybody's back everybody's in for the same cause everybody takes care of everybody then you bring in living life's experiences with human beings. And then that, that, that is, uh, to this day, I have uh, several players on the Steelers that I'm still in touch with. And I still love talking to them. Uh, some are, are not doing well physically. Yeah. Uh, so I stay in touch even more so. But yeah, I, I would say the defining moment was the Super Bowls. Um, and then all the character building, teamwork and everything came from the players easily. So, you know, one of the common things people always ask, and so I, I, I speak for a living on leadership um, right. in my observations in the uh, the SEAL teams, uh, even though at the end of the day, I was a mid-level manager. Yes, at the highest tactical level in, in the world. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, well, you must have loved all your teammates. I'm like, oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, yeah. Well, I love them all. Did right. I like them all? No. Did you like everyone on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Steelers? Or did you just have a way that, you know, you knew the mission in front of you, 
whether you like the person or not, you found a way to work with them to win. Well, first of all, I I realized that for us to be successful and off on offense, I got to have ten, 10 other people, right? 10 other people that are, that are dedicated uh, to being as good as they can possibly be. There's not a player on our offense that I didn't like. There's not one person that I disagreed with. So I can honestly answer that by saying from Stalwart, Swan, Blyer, Franco, Webster, Moon, I like them all. I enjoy every one of my teammates. I enjoy, I, 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 I'm one of those guys that you might see me and think, you know, he's got a big personality, but I enjoy sitting back and watching them. And my job, and you know this, my job is to put them in a position where they can utilize their talents, uh, where they can be successful. And if they are, we are. And but I did, I I did not, I did not dislike one player. Uh, the only player on our football team that I was not, I'm not going to say disliked, but I was scared of was Jack Lambert. And he would look, he would appear to be a great seal guy, right? Tough, teeth out. I did not know how to take him, so I stayed away from him. He scared me. And Joe Green used to laugh at me all the time and and, and just say, well, just slap him. I'm not going to slap that guy. <laughs> but, but dislike, honestly, golly, Mike, I, maybe I'm too easy, but I, I enjoyed every one of them. I enjoyed the personalities. I enjoyed the huddle with them. I enjoyed the moments of great joy and uh, even the sadness. Uh, it was just a real blessing to be with that bunch. And if I, and, and I'm being honest with you, I'm not, I'm not hiding it. I mean, Terry, we, we know you're, you're being honest, uh, yeah. always, uh, and that, that, that warms my heart to hear it. And I mean, maybe that's why you guys were so, you know, one of the best teams in the history of the NFL, you know, you, you said something, which to me is the, the very definition of leadership that honestly more of our government and, and business leaders need to understand that the job of a leader is to provide resources and put their people in the best position right. for them what to do. I, I was yeah. a ground force commander in the SEAL teams. Yeah. I was at the very back of the patrol. And all my only job was to make sure that my, my guys had what they needed right. to do what they needed to do. And they did it well. And watching from afar was one of the biggest honors of my life because it was why, like watching selfless valor on a nightly basis. You know, you know what I had, you know, my approach to it was always this, Mike, as a leader. There are various forms of leader. I, I, I never particularly thought of myself as a leader. I just know this. I'm a people person. I'm an observer. I know who can handle the heat and I know who can't. And those that can't, I stepped in and took it for them. That was that was my role. And I never was one. I, I don't know about you, but I know in SEAL training, that's the most brutal, self-humiliating um, <laughs> exercises, training that you can possibly go through. I've seen it on television. I don't know how you do that. But I think in, in, in my sport, I hate to be insulted. I hate to be talked down to. I hate to be yelled at. I don't like to yell at people because, number one, I'm going to make a mistake. So does that give you the right to yell at me and I'm the quarterback? Well, I don't see why not. So I'm, I was always about pats on the back, um, building people up. Because, listen, when people are free of all that pressure and when they know you care about them, man, they, they go to the limits and they perform at 100%. There's no leaving it out on the field simply because they're happy. Nothing greater than a happy warrior. I can't imagine. Uh, someone that goes into battle and is 
and he's not happy with his commander. You know, he doesn't like what they're doing. A happy warrior, man, someone that, that he's already been stealing him. You're the best. You know, you can do this job. You're qualified. You just get the most out of them. And that's just that was just my approach. What here's let me let me share my observations because that's very interesting you say that. One, you know, I went back and I was a, a, a buds instructor, a SEAL instructor for a very short period of time. Right. But what I did notice were the instructors that found joy in yelling at the uh, the students, at punishing mm-hmm. the uh, the students usually weren't considered the warriors within our community. And they had some, some some substantial character flaws. We all have character flaws. But the most lethal warriors I, I ever served with understood that the easiest thing to do is to, to break somebody down. Yeah. The hardest thing, because it requires effort, is to build somebody up. And, and you don't do that through yelling or, or, or attacking their character. Right. Uh, it's the big brother approach of building them up. Uh, and those lethal warriors were were often the, the kindest, most respectful, empathetic people I've ever met. And they never yelled, man. When I watch your era of football, it was brutal. I mean, you had some dirty, dirty players, and that was just accepted during your time. And I know we, we, we've protected the players a lot more the, this day and age. Um, do you think that has changed the game of football? And, and then, you know, uh, sort of add on to that is w- w- what's your opinion of of all the CTE related brain trauma. Right. Well, that, I know that that had to affect you as well. I, I saw some hits you took. Yeah. Good Lord. Well, the CTE was a, a byproduct of uh, players like Mike Webster, who lost their way sleeping under bridges in a car, but a strange behavior more and more that uh, a lot of the CTE um, people committed suicide. The thing that changed the game, Mike, number one was uh, television money. Uh, and and then and then in um, research finding that uh, the viewer wanted scoring, the viewer loved loved passing, which means we got to protect our quarterbacks. And so the rules were changed primarily to go back like the old AFL, uh, where you throw the ball forty times, fifty times a game. People love it. To do that, we got to protect the we got to protect the quarterback. So rules were put into place to protect the quarterback, protect the receiver. Nineteen seventy nine, they changed the bump rule from after five yards, you couldn't uh, manhandle a wide receiver so they could run all over the field. All of it was done. Some of it was done primarily because of money. Uh, research saying that they wanted more scoring. Uh, then as time moved on, Mike, what? Then we started having uh, with the CETE, you, you notice we started getting lawsuits against the mm-hmm. against the NFL and the lawsuits. The lawsuits brought about protective gear changes, tactics uh, and uh, how to tackle. Can't use the crown of the helmet now. So all of that was done to protect not only the player, the player. You do more harm with the shoulder than you do here. And uh, that's just a proven fact. So we go from television money to passing the football and to lawsuits. Um, to protect to, to protect the players. As a matter of fact, you can look at the lawsuits or you can look at the league's change. Mike, when you watch football this year, look at the shoulder pads that they wear. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. It's almost like a piece of cotton up there. It's just because they don't have the big pads anymore. They, it's little bitty small things, so people are light and they're quick. But you can do so much more damage with a shoulder than you can with your helmet, with your head. So... Um, I think those three things and, and probably more could be added to that, but that's kind of the kind of it in a nutshell. I want to sort of transition to all the other facets of Terry Bradshaw. 
that All right. I'm so excited to see. I mean, you're a multi, let's say multi-talented performer. One, I'm so lo- lonesome I could cry. When when I watch you sing that, I'm like, good Lord. I thought I thought it was somebody was, uh, you know, somebody else was singing. You've got a voice, but that, that goes back to your upbringing. You said your family was, they were always singing. Yeah, my I have two uncles that were great singers and guitar players. I always wanted to sing, always wanted to entertain. I would have preferred to have been a singer and a football player, I think, early in my life because I love singing so much. Um, and as I pursued football and had success at it, you know what that does. That brings opportunities to do things yeah. you're really not qualified to do. And that's how I got into the Branson show that I do and the show I did in Vegas and uh, things of that nature, the singing. I, I love to, I love the entertain. I love to sing. And I actually, I get a bigger kick out of singing, knowing that people are like shocked that I can sing. <laughs> Maybe it strokes my ego. I don't know, but it, it's like, I'm always asking Tammy, she says, Oh, look at all these, look at these Texas. Oh, love the show, love the show. And she'll read it off all these. Deals. I'll say, well, did anybody say anything about my singing? <laughs> <laughs> and every now and then someone would say, I didn't know he could sing. And I go, yes, that's it. That's the one I want. <laughs> I, so I've got to ask this. Uh, if one, no one's ever going to be asking me to be in a movie. And, and yeah. I've, got, I've come to grips with that in my life. Um, that's okay. I'm going to move on. When they ask you, hey, Terry, we want you to do a nude scene. Yeah. Uh, with I'm Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, well, I'm all in. You were all in? No, no hesitation? <laughs> no, not at all. First of all, it goes back to the Joe Namath thing we started this interview off with about, you know, being something, you know, you had to pull it back in because of the way you were raised. Well, I'm raised Baptist. And uh, I got a chance. Tom Day, the director in Failure Launch, said, uh, will you get naked in the movie? And I went, absolutely. And uh, listen, Mike, you're not really naked. OK, you have to wear something over your certain yeah. parts. OK, yeah. It's a funny story. I won't tell it here. But anyway, uh, I said, absolutely, because I felt like, first of all, it's going to shock everybody, which I really wanted to do. And number two, I wasn't ever going to do another movie anyway. And what do I care? And I, I couldn't wait to get the reaction from um, from my family. Well, I did the scene and showed my little white butt. And my mother was absolutely in shock. She went to church that morning and the preacher said, we got the school bus, church bus, and we're going to take everybody to see Terry's movie, all you old birds in her class. So she had about 20-something blue heads in there and they had box lunch and they're going to see the failure to launch. And I went, whoa, 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 mom, you can't go see that movie. Well, well, why not, baby? I said, because I get naked in that movie. Well, no, you don't. You wouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, I get naked. You do not get naked. Uh Uh-huh. I get naked, Mom. You don't want to go see that movie. So they canceled the movie. And about three weeks later, when it's showing in some city out in the middle of the country at 1.32 p.m., she went and saw the movie. She called me and said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I raised you better than that, son. Oh, you know, she said that. I can't believe you did that. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> well, for, for those listeners, if you haven't seen Failure to Watch uh, with Terry Bradshaw and Matthew McConaughey, you go watch it because uh, you will see the uh, the butt of a, uh, a four-time Super Bowl champion. That is the butt of a champion. Um, Terry, uh, you know, we like to end the uh, show, unfortunately, on a serious note, uh, but we, we like to keep some levity there with a few questions. 
Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to go rapid fire here and just give us the, uh, the, the, the answer from your heart. The hardest decision you ever had to make. Marrying Tammy. Really? Yeah. Three failures. Do you really think you got it figured out? No. No. But so I did. Were you more concerned about her than you? Uh, I was concerned about me, not yeah. her. Okay. I didn't know if I could trust myself. Was this really what being in love is? Uh, the thing that got me through it, though, was I had gone through a lot of counseling. And um, I knew this was the right thing to do, but it was hard. I just couldn't deal with another failure. I didn't want to. I didn't want to have another heartache. And I had a great woman, and I just had to trust myself and pray about it, and I did. And, but it, I got to tell you, Mike, it was uh, now that I've been married for so. I wish why not do this? You know, back you know twenty years earlier. But yeah, that was that was a hard decision. That's amazing. You say you had a fear of failure. From, from a guy who's done so much and from a guy who's like, screw it, I'm going deep. Uh, I, I guess that's human nature. Anyone who says they love failure is probably lying right through their uh, their teeth, Wait, even though we know that's part of the process to succeed. I, I'm 73 now, so failure doesn't scare me. I actually know that if something doesn't work, it's for a good reason, and I'm going to get a lot from it, a lot from yeah. it. Terry, how will you measure if you've lived a good life? The people I care about, are the ones that I'm most concerned about approval. I'm not, I, Mike, I don't know you. Yes. So your opinion about me doesn't matter, seriously. But my opinion from my girls and my two or three really good friends does. But I, I got so many things in my life. I just finished a book called Hell. And as a struggling Christian up and down that spectrum, am I going to hell? Am I going to heaven? I had to call my preacher the other day, my wife and I, we got him on the phone because I was just so torn between my salvation and, and it was bothering me. So I guess my, my friends, my close, close friends and my family, I just, I want them to know, you know, I want them to appreciate and love and care. I think I got that. That's a terrible answer I just gave no, you. No, 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 Terry. From, from the outside you, looking in, I gotta tell you, that is a, that is a, that's a tough question. It's not like how do you want to, what's your legacy? I don't have a legacy. I mean, but that is a tough, tough question. I, I, I just, you know, I just really uh, never thought about that kind of question. Hats off to you, my friend, for throwing me a curveball, Terry. I'm, I'm still trying to find the answer to that, and yeah, probably going to take me about more decade. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the um, the only one that's uh, I'm struggling for words uh, to even get into an answer because my answer didn't really answer your question. So. No, it did. It, it did. Ter Terry, it, you know, it is powerful. People are so concerned about what other people think. Yes. And that's human nature. But at the end of the day. I, I always, we've always said this, all that matters are the people that are going to be around your, your, your deathbed right. when it's your time. Right. True. That's, that's, who matters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've said that a many a time that whenever I'm drawing my last breath, those that love me, they'll be there. I told Tammy, I said, I want to see your face and hold your hand. That's the yeah. last thing I want to see. And uh, th that'll be, that'll be the ones. I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to do roll call. Uh, Bill here. <laughs> Yeah, Judy, you here? No, she's not here. Check her off. Yeah. But I don't think uh, amend that bill. <laughs> um, hey, Terry, uh, for those listening, uh, and, and again, uh, a lot of us are, are in a rut post-COVID. Uh, some people feel like they're they're, they're, yeah. they're going nowhere. What, yeah. what are those, th those one to three keys to success, those rules you've lived your life by? Well, first of all, I've listened. Um, uh, I picked uh, a sport. And I 
put my whole life into playing football. That was seven years old. Mike, that was it. That's what I shot for. Along that way, I was a world record holder and throwing the javelin. And I had my success was in track and field and not football. Uh, so I listened to myself. I listened and pursued with all the efforts I had into being a quarterback. That was it. I put everything into it, passing, play action, running, all of it was put into that. So that's what I'm going to listen. I listen to my heart. Okay. So if you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to be number one. You're not going to be happy and you're certainly not going to be successful. And if you are successful, you're not going to be happy because it's not really what you want to do anyway. So number one is, you know, I knew what I wanted in life. Number two, I didn't shortchange it. I put in the work. I put in the work. Number three, I never gave up on it because I had the title and the deed to it. It's mine. And Mike, you or no one else is going to take it away from me. So it was listening. It, I knew what I wanted. I worked hard to get it. And then I didn't give up on it, even because, you know, when you don't give up on something, that's because there's a lot of failure and you're tested. And I think God tests us because if we if we have very little success in something, we'll tend normally to give up on it and move in another direction unless it's buried down in your being, your soul, your heart. This is what I want. And until it finally, until I get that concrete answer that says, this ain't going to work, brother, then I, I change course, but not until then. Powerful, powerful words. So Terry, where, where, where can people find your, your bourbon, which I know you're passionate about? Uh, you yeah. know, I've, I've always said that my life is a combination of uh, a lot of bourbon and bad choices. Where, where, where can people find it? TerryBradshawBrands.com. TerryBradshawBrands.com. Okay, we will post that. Uh, my yeah. challenge to uh, the listeners is go to your liquor store, find a bottle, post it on Instagram, uh, tag Terry, tag, uh, tag, tag me, tag Men's Journal. Let's uh, let's support Terry. And, and then Terry, you said you have a new book coming out. Is that uh, what's, well, what's the timeline on that? It's uh, we just started. We've had um, one discussion um, on the outline. We've probably got another eight uh, to ten discussions, and then we'll start writing it in a year. And uh, I'm in no hurry. You know what, Mike? I'm in no hurry on this one. I want to get it. I want to really get it right, and I want it to be really good. And so, therefore, uh, I'm being real patient. I got the same writer I had for the last book, that, which, which is uh, David Fisher, yes. which was really successful. So I'm happy about that. But um, I don't have a title for it. It's just it's going to be a, a, a it's going to be different than anything I've ever done. I've got five books out now. This will be this will be really good. It kind of, it'll probably Mike go along with the HBO special. It'll go along with Branson. It'll be a little more. I'm at the end of my career in television. I do. I still do so many exciting things. Uh, so I haven't decided yet just exactly where I want to go with this. We started, but that's it. We've just started. Well, Terry, I, I'll tell you, I can't wait to read it whenever it gets done. I know Men's Journal will cover it. Please let us know. I and, will. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully we can catch my wife and I, one of your uh, performances down the road. Terry, thank you so much, sir. I've enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and pick up a new issue of Men's Journal magazine. Men's Journal magazine has features on health and fitness, adventure and travel, style, and my favorite, the coolest gear hitting the market today. Until next time, I'm Mike Sorelli. And thanks for listening.